Okay, good morning, gentlemen. We're going to continue in our discussion of how Moshe commands the Jewish people to make the vessels of the Mishkan. Yesterday we talked about the Aron, right? And the cover, the Kruvim that were on top of the Kaporas, on top of the cover of the Aron. And now we're going to talk about the Shulchan and then the Menorah. So the Shulchan was the table made out of Shittim wood that was one, two cubits, two amos long, one cubit wide, and one and a half cubits high. This was completely overlaid with gold. As discussed, there was a crown that went around the top of the table. So when you looked at the table, you didn't see a flat wooden surface. You saw the rimmed, uh, crowned uh, edges of this golden rim around the table, a little bit above the top of the table. With this frame was one tefach wide, going around the entire thing. There was four gold rings that were on the four legs. And whenever they would take the, the shulchan to move it, they would put the poles in. The poles also were out of shittim wood overlaid with gold. And that's how they would carry the, the, the shulchan. On top of the shulchan, as we explained at great length, there were these uh, half tubes, excuse me, coming up two columns of tubes. And there was five shelves to allow for six layers of bread. So the first layer of first lay, I guess, it's not, it's not the right word, but the first uh, loaf of bread, first challah, said on the actual tabletop, and there was two, two rows, then there were these half-fluted, like, like, a, like a pipe, but cut in half, a tube, to allow for air to circulate, that went from these poles on the side, there was three, uh, there was uh, two or three on each side, there was three, if I'm not mistaken, there was two on each, on each side, and then it would be the second challah, again, another shelf, another challah, a total of six on one side, six on the other side, for a total of 12 challahs, representing the 12 tribes. Every single Friday, the Kohanim would bake new challahs in very special molds that we discussed that made the bread face each other. So the top of the bread, normally the ends of a challah are facing away from each other. This is called the showbread, the lechem ha'pandim, the bread of a face, because the ends of the challah were facing inward. So the bread went flat, up, and then inwards, and the middle was hollow, and we discussed that you should be able to see through a challah to the other side when you have money, because the bread represents the parnas of a Jew, to be able to see through it to the other side, to see the person on the other side of the money, and they would put the, they would bake these challahs in steel uh, molds, steel pans, can't bake in gold, it's going to melt, obviously, and they would bake it on Friday, then they would change it from the steel pan into a gold pan or a gold mold. And on Shabbos, they would come place the old, new challahs in the place of the old challahs. And as I explained to you, that it says in the Torah that there should be bread on the table constantly. So there was never a moment that there was no bread on the Shulchan, which means that they didn't take off the old bread and then put on the new challah, because then there'd be a moment when there's no bread on the table. So rather they would... As they were putting in, this, this was a shulchan, they would slide in the new bread, the new challah, the new mold. As they were sliding it in, that would push out the old one. This way there was never a moment that there was no bread on top of the table. And then on Shabbos, they would eat the bread that had made a week before. And one of the many miracles that happened in the temple was that the bread was still warm as if it had just come out of the oven. Not just that it wasn't stale. It tastes like you ever had challah like fresh out of the oven, like made an hour before. It's like... You can literally eat the whole entire challah. That's how it tasted. Fresh as it just came out of the oven. <clears throat> so that was the shulchan. 
with these 12 loaves of bread. And again, I guess when they travel, they travel with it on because the bread was always on the, on the shulchan. The shulchan was on the north side of the, of the Mishkan. You walked into the room on the north side, on the left side, that's where you had the, you had the, uh, the, uh, the menorah. The, men, the, sorry, the shulchan. On the south side is the menorah. The menorah is on the, actually not on the, not on the south side, on the right side. So if you walk in, facing west, it's going to be on, yeah, on, no, on the north side, it's on the right side, the side of Chesed, because the, the, the shulchan is, the left side is Gvura. The menorah was made out of gold, also we discussed at great length, it was one solid, solid piece of gold. The height of the menorah was, let's go find it, one second, go back to this picture over here, the height of the menorah was 18 tzvachim, which is very, very high, and it was one solid piece of gold. The entire thing was not pieces of menorah that were, that were added one to the other. The entire thing was one massive block, and they hammered out of it all of the branches, all of the, all of the uh, knobs, and everything. So how was it made? You had a base. The base that held it was two tfachim. It was a big, solid base. On the bottom of the base, where the pole started, the main stem, there was a flower. Then on top of it, there was another... Uh, uh, there was a, a, a knob, like a ball, and an upside-down cup. And then, at the half a point, at nine tfachim, there was a ball, a sphere. Out of that ball, here. Out of that ball came the first two branches, then another tefach, then another ball. Out of that ball came another two, te- uh, another two branches, another tefach, another hand breath, size of a fist. Again, another ball with another two branches, so now you have a total of six branches coming out of the two sides, three on each side, and then there's another um, four tzvachim, and then there was on the top of each branch, there were three cups, goblets, not cups, three goblets, that were upside down, the way that they were shaped, normally the goblet is facing upwards. These were downwards facing, as the Rambam draws in his pictures. On top of that, there was a ball, on top of that, there was a flower, on top of that was the actual cups in which the oil was placed that the menorah would be burning. And into this, the way it worked is all the wicks were facing towards the west. Facing the west, the is in the west. So here you have the basic shape of the menorah. Again, the, the branches were not added to it. They're made out of individual pieces of gold welded together. It's a solid piece of gold that was hammered and chiseled out to have all of these designs. And I know that when we talked about this last time, we talked about the fact that the flower, the cups were upside down, right? We talked about that? No, we didn't? You don't remember? We did. So many times. But very briefly, there's a reason why the cups are upside down. Because the whole point of a cup, what's the point of a cup? To hold water or to pour water? The real point of the cup is not to hold the water. The real point of the cup is to drink the water. You can't drink it if the water's on the table, right? So you need a a vessel to hold the water in the contained space, so then I can drink it into my mouth. But the real, real objective of the cup is not just to have a cup with water on the table. You know, that's not, you don't need, you don't need a cup for the sake of having water on the table. You need a cup for the sake of being able to then get that water into your mouth, to pour it. That's why you really need it. So the ultimate objective of a cup is not when it's standing upright and holding water, but when it's upside down, giving you water. Fulfilling its purpose. So the same thing as the menorah was meant to be the vehicle through which the light of Hashem shined into the world. 
So the real objective of the Mishkan, or of the menorah rather, is not to be a vehicle standing upright to receive godliness within it, but rather when it's downwards, meaning spreading out the light of Hashem into the world. So the whole point of the menorah was not to give light to the Mishkan. In fact, I probably mentioned this as well, in the Reis HaMikdash, when they had actual, not covers like we had in the Mishkan, just curtains, when they had an actual building with actual walls and a roof, the windows in the Mishkan, the skylights in the, in the base of Mikdash, in the temple, were the opposite of how you normally build a skylight. Normally a skylight is narrow at the top and gets wider. So let the light diffuse. Here was the exact opposite in the temple. They were narrow on the bottom and wide on the top, and the light was going outwards. Okay. So now let's get a little bit more spiritual, just because we don't want to be too boring and just say the same things again. That would be not okay, right? So what, what's the symbolism of these different branches of the menorah? So there's many symbolisms, many ideas. We'll talk about it for a few minutes till I run out of time. So there's seven branches on the menorah. I should really point out, not like our menorahs today. Our menorahs today have how many branches? Eight, Eight plus a shamish. So it's nine lights, nine candles, or nine uh, you know, places for oil. The menorah in the temple had nothing to do with the menorah of Hanukkah. We light the menorah to remember the menorah lit for eight days, so we wrote light, or eight nights, so we lighted, we have eight branches. The menorah in the temple was seven branches, and it was lit every night of the year, not just on Hanukkah. The seven branches represent the seven, the seven kinds of souls that exist. We know that every soul, generally speaking, is from one of the seven midot, one of the seven emotions of the sphero through which we come down. And of course we come from Hashem, but when we go through the, the, the as our neshama descends through the Seder Ishtalshalos, and comes down through the different chain of sphero to come down to the world, we are each impacted more by a different emotion. So we all go through all the emotions, but each one of us have our primary uh, kav, our primary uh, channel or path to us. So the Shiva, Kinei Menorah, the seven branches of the Menorah, are representative of the Shiva, uh, the seven different kinds of Nishamas that have the seven different emotions that we all carry. Hence, the Menorah had to be made out of one solid piece. Because at our root, Every single neshama is miksha achas. We're hammered out of the same source. We all come from the same piece of gold. We all come from the same Hashem. Meaning, even though my neshama may have a lot of chesed, and your neshama may come from the side of Gvura, and your neshama is from a totally different branch of God, with a different light, and a different that way of expressing itself. So it may look like our neshamas and our souls are really very, very different. It's true. They're different branches, different lights. And each light has to be a separate, unique light. You can't mix the lights. If you have the two fires or the two which are touching each other, it's not kosher. Not like Avdala light, but they need to be touching each other. In the menorah, if the fires are touching each other, it's not a kosher fire. Each light is a unique light. But miksha achas were all rooted out of one source. We weren't. See, some people, the Jewish people were like kind of like externally attached. Meaning... So I'm me, you're you, and we're kind of like we're welded together because we're both share a shared identity of being Jews. It's not like that. We come from one piece of gold. Our source is one thing. That's one dimension of the seven branches of the menorah, the seven souls of the Jewish people that are lighting up the world. Another aspect of the, Torah, of, of the menorah is the light of Hashem. How do we experience today the light of Hashem? Through the Torah. What's the vehicle today through which God reveals His light into the world? Today we don't have a basic mikdash, we don't have the menorah shining. Today the way that we're able to see the light of Hashem in the universe is 
through the study of the Torah, which is the wisdom and the will of Hashem, and that's how God's revealed, through the study of Torah. Within the study of Torah, you have different dimensions. You have the middle branch, from which all the other branches come out. This middle branch, to the light of the Torah, of the menorah, is the wisdom of Hashem, the Torah, the wisdom of Hashem. But the different branches, how to get to this wisdom and this light of Hashem. The middle branch is the Torah Shabbat Saf. The actual Torah itself, the actual written Tanakh, the word of Hashem, straight expressed open word of Hashem, that is the central branch from which all of it comes out. And then you have six branches coming from the Torah, which are the six tractates of, not tractates, six orders of Mishnah. The Shisha Sidre Mishnah, the six uh, general categories of Jewish law, which as a divided by Rabbi Huda Nasi into the six different categories of Mishnah, these are the six branches. So all of Judaism, of the oral Torah, I should say rather, all of the laws in the oral Torah is the six branches of the Mishnah, six branches of the Menorah. And within that, within that, you have the flowers, and you have the balls, and you have the, the goblets. What do those represent? So the nine flowers that you have in total on the Menorah represent the, how from the base, base is Malchus, the, the, we have ten spherot, right? So you have the seven emotions of our souls. There's also the ten spherot, the whole picture. So you have the base is Malchus, and from there you have nine flowers representing the nine spherot that come out of the base. The twenty-two goblets are the seven emotions, but Chachma Bina Das times seven times three is twenty-one. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Twenty-two letters of the olive. The twenty-two letters of the olive base. So you have the, 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 seven, the seven branches are the seven emotions, but on each branch you have these three of these goblets, which represents this, and then on the bottom you had another additional one on the bottom branch. Besides from on the bottom, the central branch, you had three where each branch came out of, plus one more at the top, where its own candle was. So that's four. So you have seven times three is twenty-one, plus one more is twenty-two. That's the twenty-two letters of the olive days that reveal Hashem's intellect, Hashem's Torah to us. And finally, the 11 balls, the spheres, is the 10 spherot together with Keser that is above, above the 10 spherot. Okay, that's as far as the spiritual stuff for the menorah.